Hello and welcome back to the Sports Brief Podcast. Colton Hall coming at you as always from my apartment above the Winter Advocate. I know it's lame, people got to get over it. Anywho, let's get into this whole thing. Obviously, we're joined by our dude, Tristan Rancor. Tristan, how is uh, everything going, my man? It's going well. I am ready to uh, debate and do a little destroying. So Absolutely. Absolutely. We are also joined by uh, a good friend, Ryan Joyce. He's a good friend of Tristan. Ryan, thanks for joining us, big guy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yep. Uh, you know, we uh, <laughs> we also got a little bit of a, a Facebook battle, so I was like, you know what? We might as well do this on air and get this debate in. Um, but before we do, we actually have to give a huge thanks uh, and ask that you guys check out Volber and uh, Volber Surveillance Installation, uh, the sponsor of this video. Uh are you looking for an extra boost in your home or business security? Well then, look no further than Volber Surveillance Installation. Volber Surveillance Installation, located in Cologne, South Dakota, can and will give you an added sense of feel in your home or business. Ethan Volber, certified in safety assessment, can and will happy to choose from a variety of cameras and systems that will work best for you while keeping you always on budget. Uh, get your free safety assessment, ranging from lighting socks, excuse me, locks, and camera placement and code on your uh, on your home or business for free today, give Volber Surveillance Installation a call at 605-842-5807. One more time, that is 842-5807. That's Volber Surveillance Installation. Um, you know, obviously give them a big look in Volber Surveillance Installation, but also give us a look by subscribing for Weekly Vikings and Packers Takes. Uh, just a couple of angry fans going at it on, uh, going after our, our favorite teams on the microphone. Um, yeah, we've got a full week, a couple of big debates here. Um, and man, what better debate... Than to have, than Travis Kelsey against the great George Kittle. Uh, let's get into this right now. I'm actually going to let one of you two, I don't care who goes first. Uh, let's get into this. Uh, why don't you tell me, let's actually start with Ryan here. Uh, would you want to tell me who you would pick uh, if you were, you had, to, you had to find a tight end? Who would you pick and who is the greatest tight end and why? The greatest tight end ever or in this debate? In this debate. In this debate. Okay. Well, um, I am not. Um, gonna hide my bias here i'm a kansas city chiefs fan I, i've grown up a chiefs fan and so um you know you could say that I'm, I'm biased towards travis kelsey but i'm coming at this with clear eyes here travis kelsey is the best tight end in football he has been uh for the last three years inclu including the last two years of rob Gronkowski's career uh, george kittle is a nice piece uh he's a great asset and uh, the 49ers are lucky to have him. But if I was starting a franchise today, I would draft Travis Kelsey, and it wouldn't be a tough call. Wow. Um, do you have anything you want to kind of add to that? Like, uh, Tristan, you you obviously – you brought up to me, and I was I was an idiot. I doubted it. I was sitting there, no, Travis Kelsey, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I did – I watched some film because uh, I'm a nerd, and I have no personal life. So I watched some film. I looked at the stats. I looked at situationally. Everything drops. Catching percentage, dropping percentage, everything. Tristan, do you want to go ahead and tell me why you believe that uh, Mr. George Kittle is the best tight end in all of football? Well, let's, let's, go, let's go to some statistics here. I know Ryan's going to bring up this season's stats to defend his mm -hmm. case, maybe. But mm -hmm. that's about all Travis Kelsey's got working in his favor. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, we can go to yards after catch first. Yards. This is off of last season. I didn't pull up stats from this season. I think George Kittle was better than Travis Kelsey last season, and I think he's better than Travis Kelsey this season. Um, last year, yards after catch, George Kittle had 881, uh, which is better than some of the receivers in the league, more than Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Travis Kelsey was down at 570. 
Um, the one that's most in, in, uh, impressive to me is the receiving yards after contact, how well they play through contact. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis Kelsey had 239 total yards after contact. George Kittle had 338. So we had uh, literally 99 more yards after contact than George Kittle. George Kittle's faster. Mm-hmm. He's a better run blocker. And I think he plays with more heart than Travis Kelsey. Wow. Uh, Ryan, I'll let you dispute that before I get into my – uh, really long, and I hope I hope uh, stat infused uh, opinion. Go ahead, big guy. Well, let me just say I could rely on the stats for this year. Travis Kelsey's stats this year are better. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue they were better than uh, George Kittle last year as well. I mean, I know Kittle had a nice year last year. Um, no denying, both of them did. We watched Travis Kelsey break the uh, receiving yards record for a single season by a tight end, um, mm-hmm. like in week fifteen. George Kittle breaking that the following week. Um, so no question, we had uh, two tight ends that had incredible years last year. Um, but, you know, use the eye test here. So Travis Kelsey um, is more consistent. Travis Kelsey is not even the first option on his team. George Kittle is the first option that Jimmy Garoppolo goes to when he drops back. When he does a three-step drop, George Kittle is taking that target uh, a majority of the time. Travis Kelsey is sharing the ball with Tyreek Hill, with Sammy Watkins, with LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I could keep going. I mean, the offensive weapons are incredible. And so what Travis Kelsey has been able to do, uh, having to share those kind of targets this year, has been has been amazing. And I think that situationally, um, I would want Travis Kelsey with the ball in his hands when you look at he was drafted in 2013. Um, George Kittle's in, what, his third year out of Iowa. Um, when George Kittle can't do this for, you know, going in his seventh year and can continue to put up these numbers the way Travis Kelsey has, um, I'll be willing to listen. But right now, I would want the ball in Travis Kelsey's hands. Mm-hmm. Tristan, you want to dispute that or you want me to take this? Yeah, um, I'm not going to say you're wrong in any of that, but – if we want to talk about situational football, I think a good example of that would be go back to last Sunday night's game, uh, San Francisco versus uh, the Saints, and what George Kittle did on that fourth and sixth play to ultimately win the 49ers the game. Um, one thing I think sets apart Kittle from Travis Kelsey is their physicality. I'm not saying Travis Kelsey is physical or isn't physical. I think he's very physical, but the way George Kittle is able to run with bodies hanging on him and push through more people, I don't think Travis Kelsey, I don't really, I haven't really seen Kelsey do that much physically as George Kittle. I don't, I'm not really sure, but yeah, if we go back just some more stats I have pulled up and I'm actually, it's kind of funny. I'm reading this off of arrowheadguys.com. So it's probably a Chiefs fans website and they have like a whole Travis Kelsey versus George Kittle debate on here that I'm kind of reading through and everything on here is like blah 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 we love Travis Kelsey Travis Kelsey blah 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 the stats are here but when we really look at it even these guys are saying George Kittle or George Kittle is a better tight end uh they're com- they compare their stats a little bit like last year uh obviously Kittle broke uh Kelsey's then tight end receiving yard record but you got to give hats off to Travis Kelsey on that for breaking it first but um yeah situation you know I'll add to that just real quick I'll add to that that Travis Kelsey didn't play in the final week of the season and had he I'm not saying he would have he might have not had a single catch had he played but um it was a it was a very close in, in receiving yards and had Kelsey played he may have taken that record back and 
been the first tight end to break uh, that same record twice in the same season. So yeah, that's first statement. Yeah, uh, you're Tristan, right. You're right there. You never know what would happen. I don't know if George Kittle missed any time last year. I haven't really looked, but um, when you want to talk about uh, George Kittle, I don't think George Kittle is the first option when Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball. Um, he throws to him a lot, yes, but the 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 49ers throw the ball to their running backs more than any other team in the league. Um, and they also throw to wide receivers more than any other team in the league. They throw to, well, besides, I think Kansas City was number two or three. But, um, yeah, they got Emmanuel Sanders. Debo Samuels is coming out of nowhere, and he's he's been a great receiver for them. But they have three good running backs. They have Breda, Coleman, and that Mozart, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. But they distribute the ball so much, like, 20 out of Jimmy G's 35 completions or 40 completions was just to running backs. So I don't really think George Kittle being a number one option is very valid. You could look at it that way because he's probably the best receiver on their team, including the wide receivers. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think situationally, Travis Kelsey, he's been around longer. So I might take him in that aspect if I want a situational tight end. But I do think it's kind of like you can compare it to the Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers debate a little bit. I reference this a lot. Tom Brady's got the numbers over his career. He's got, you probably, most people would probably want him in situational football. I wouldn't. But it's just Aaron Rodgers' raw talent and his raw ability. I think he's capable of more. And I think, um, I just think he's better. Plain and simple. Uh, let's see here. Uh, you guys got anything else you guys want to add, or is you, you good, Ryan? I would just point out that uh, Travis Kelsey is having his, uh, in terms of touchdowns, one of his worst years in the last three or four years, and he still has the same amount of touchdowns as uh, as George Kittle. It looks like he's going to finish with uh, slightly below his career average in receiving touchdowns, and it looks like George Kittle is also going to finish below Travis Kelsey's career average in receiving touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, I'm going to go ahead now. I did, uh, two days of research for this, so I'm going to go ahead and, uh, look into this. Um, the first thing I want to bring up is, uh, it's actually something that actually has, uh, it might not seem like it has a lot to do with Travis Kelsey or with, uh, George Kittle for that matter. Uh, Ryan, do you know that the, uh, do you know what, what rank the 49ers run game ranks in? Um, in the NFL currently. Yes, in the NFL currently. Um, off the top of my head, I don't. I would guess uh, probably second or third. It is second. Uh, that was a great guess. Uh, it is about one nine a game. Um, do you want to tell me? Uh, actually, I'm going to just go ahead and just tell you, anyways. Uh, the Chiefs, excuse me, the 49ers run the ball. Uh, the second best of any NFL team. They have ran the ball 424 times, and they have three running backs with over 100 carries. The Chiefs don't have a single running back with a with a running back over 100 carries. Uh, the Chiefs. Run game currently ranks 27th in the NFL. Um, so a lot of people would take a look at that and assume that just by looking at that, 49ers, mostly running the football team. Well, let's take a look at some of the receivers too. Okay, last seven games. Uh, these last seven games for Emmanuel Sanders, Tyreek Hill, uh, and Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, 32 catches, 472 yards, two touchdowns. Modest numbers, not great. It's kind of whatever. Emmanuel Sanders, seven games, 28 catches, 407 yards, three touchdowns. Again, modest numbers, not great. We'll look at Tyreek Hill, who is, uh, in my opinion, one of the uh, best wide receivers in the game. Not the best. I'm not real sure if I'm ready to give him that yet. He's definitely the fastest, most, most explosive, and fun to watch. 
in seven games, 42 catches, 644 yards, and five touchdowns. He's beating both Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders by at least 200 yards, uh, and by at least, I would say, anywhere from 10 to 15 catches. And he has three more, two to three more touchdowns than both of them. Um, I'm also going to bring up Travis Kelsey here real quick. Uh, over the last uh, – I did this for the last five games because Kittle missed a couple games, uh, so I did these for both. Travis Kelsey over the last five games, 33 catches, 385 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, and they had I made sure that they played in all five of those games. Uh, and Kittle, last five games, 26 catches, 378 yards, and three touchdowns. So Kittle has more touchdowns. He only has, let's see here, I was never very good at math. He has seven less receiving yards, and he has um, seven less catches. So right there, just by looking at, uh, at the so-called eye test of looking at stats, you can infer that Kittle is better after the catch. Like, tr- yeah. like Tristan said. Yes, you can. Uh, so looking at this, although... This brings up my greatest point, and why I brought up the running game. San Francisco runs the ball almost better than anybody in the NFL, and the, the only reason they don't run it better than the Ravens is because they don't have Lamar Jackson. And come on, there's 31 NFL teams that don't have Lamar Jackson. The 49ers run the ball extremely well. So I would really categorize their offense as more of a running the football type team. So uh, when you're trying to combat that by saying, you know, looking at George Kittle, looking at Patrick Mahomes, Let's also look at the passing attempts. Okay, I know this is going to be really long and drawn out, but I appreciate your guys' patience. Uh, the Chiefs have thrown the ball almost 400 times. Excuse me. The 49ers have thrown the ball almost 400 times, and the Chiefs have almost thrown the ball 500 times. Only 100 passing attempts, but over, you know, uh, 9, 10 games. That's 10 more attempts. And let's keep in mind now, Travis Kelsey and uh, George Kittle are pretty close in stats. Travis Kelsey is only beating... Uh, George Kittle by 20 catches uh, and not by many much more yards. I think 200 yards. George Kittle missed two games. I think if you give him those two games back, if you're going to use the argument for you give uh, Travis Kelsey that game back next year and he breaks the, t- the breaks the record, let's give Kittle these two games this year. I believe if he doesn't get those t- 10 catches per game in those two games, he gets real close because I believe he's their, their number one target because, you know, other than that, they really had – last year, the 49ers, who did they have as a wide receiver? Kendrick Bourne? who, by the way, is leading that team in touchdowns with five this year, and I'll get to him in a second. He had nobody. So now enter Debo Samuel, enter Emmanuel Sanders. Now he's got two other guys competing for the football, and they run the ball way better than they did last year. And this guy is still putting up these kind of numbers? I mean, I, I know that Travis Kelsey is a heck of a tight end. I thought he was the best tight end in football for a long time. But we brought up the point of him breaking the receiving record as a tight end last year. Let's look at this. Travis Kelsey has Patrick Mahomes, who is, let's face it, probably the most talented quarterback. Uh, I say that Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback, but uh, and I'm a Vikings fan. That like that pains me. That's like a kick in the nuts. So when I look at Patrick Mahomes, I would say Patrick Mahomes is real close to the most talented quarterback in the entire NFL. So when I'm looking at this, George Kittle broke the receiving tight end with three different quarterbacks, and he only had Jimmy G for like three to five games. He broke it with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. Who? C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. So he broke the receiving record with those three quarterbacks. And we, and Travis Kelsey is lucky enough to have Patrick Mahomes. I say if you flip those two tight ends, I would say that they would probably have some similar stats. But I think that Travis Kelsey would be killing it right now because of how much faster he is. I'm not going to say he's a tougher player. Uh, I think they're both pretty tough because, I mean, they both play through injuries. They're both, uh, they both block, even though I do give the slight edge to uh, Kittle when I watch tape. But looking at all this, when you combine the running game, the fact that the emergence of Debo Samuels, which Tristan mentioned, the emergence of Emmanuel Sanders, uh, and the fact that Jimmy G is having a way better season this year because of the running game, 
I don't think that you can make much of a, a you, I don't think you can say that Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football right now, especially when you consider all this, these facts. Yes, Travis Kelsey is a very good tight end, but right now, missing two games and all this, playing through, what is it, a broken hand? And if you want to, th that last play that Tristan brought up, I sent I sent that to him via text. I said, this right here shows me a lot of heart right here. I'm not saying Travis Kelsey doesn't play with a lot of heart. The man is, man is a psycho. The man plays with heart. But right there, that after that play, I was like, there's no more debate about it. I don't think that, you know, going fourth and two or fourth and six or whatever it was, I don't know if I'm throwing the ball to Travis Kelsey. I might be throwing it to Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, uh, any of those guys. So looking at this, I think those are the reasons that George Kittle is the best tight end in football. <laughs> so you, you make a strong case, and, and I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. Um, what I will say is if we're going to talk about, uh, you know, George Biddle, George Kittle missing games or or here and there, and you're going to attribute Travis Kelsey's um, greatness to in, in part to Patrick Mahomes, we have to acknowledge that Patrick Mahomes did miss uh, a number of games earlier this year and is still ahead of George Kittle in yeah. essentially every category of stats. Um, and then when but, we but look Travis at... Travis Kelsey didn't miss those games. Uh, George Kittle did. Right. Right. My point was that you've attributed, at least in part, Travis Kelsey's uh, excellence to having an, an incredible quarterback, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the whole reason, and you acknowledge that. Um, the other thing I would say is last year, um, you are right, the 49ers are one of the best running uh, teams in football. But if you'll remember last year, to start the year, they lost their running back, uh, former Minnesota Viking, Jarek McKinnon. Yep. And so they're sitting there with Nick Mullins and no running game, mm -hmm. um, almost no receiving game. And they won, what did they win, three games last year, four games? Not a lot. Worth forgetting right. if you're a 49ers fan. So when you're dropping back to pass, you have no running back, you have no receivers, and you're on a quarterback who no one had ever even heard of. He got Twitter verified in his first start in, at halftime. Um, who's he going to throw the ball to? He's going to throw the ball to the only reliable target on the field, which, again, is George Kittle. Yeah. And so I would attribute, you know, the massive number of receiving yards and the massive stats that George Kittle put up last year. I would attribute those at least in part to um, to the fact that they were, you know, playing with no running game, uh, a first-year quarterback, and only one reliable target on the team. Yeah, I can agree with that. Well, let's let me ask you this, though. Um, we know that obviously having a strong play action game, it opens up the pass. Obviously that makes, you know, the forces as a former college football player, I can tell you that makes defensive ends and linebackers step up to honor the run. And it kind of, it creates windows for the Titans to be able to throw, um, excuse me, the quarterbacks to throw to the tight ends, excuse me in that. Um, so when I look at this and I see, uh, that George Kittle is again, only 20 catches behind, uh, Travis Kelsey, can we at least give them I, if, if we're looking at it for as many times as the 49ers, they almost ran the ball, what, 100, 200 more times than the, almost 200 more times than the Chiefs. Can we at least acknowledge the fact that the man is only 20 catches behind a guy that is, in your words, the number one uh, number one receiver. on Actually, stats-wise, he is the number one receiver for the Chiefs right now. And mm -hmm. if we're looking at this, if you're, they're running the ball 200 more times and they're throwing the ball uh, to, you know, him almost, he has, what, 60 catches right now and he's only 20 behind. I would say that was that's more impressive to me than what Travis Kelsey did. But that's only because Travis Kelsey over the last, like, what, seven years, like you said, has been doing it for so long. So when I see this young kid out of Iowa coming and getting 60 catches against, you know, and Jimmy G, if we're going to compare, we can't even compare Jimmy G. And, and there is no way you can compare those two quarterbacks because in terms of arm strength, accuracy, athleticism, it's obviously going to give the advantage to Patrick Mahomes. 
so if you're going to say that at this, that that's not impressive or that he is not the best tight end, I, I, I think that's a strong enough case to make that point. But again, I'll go back here because I think, again, Travis Kelsey, um, he, I think that offense starts and ends with him. I think that if you take him out, I think, what was it, a couple, uh, I think it was Tyreek Hill who missed a couple games. But your Chiefs offense still was rolling. I mean, obviously, you know, LaShawn McCoy is a big reason for that, but it's all because of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, man. Those two guys are <laughs> the, the best, I would say the best quarterback tight end duo in the NFL. Yeah, there's no question they're the best quarterback tight end duo in the NFL. And I think you're um, very correct in that Travis Kelsey is kind of the engine that mm-hmm. keeps the Chiefs offense rolling. Um, he has been since before Patrick Mahomes got there. Um, and so you could certainly make the argument that he is – uh, Kansas City's number one target. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I like I said, I still think looking at both these guys, two of the best. Uh, I, you can make like we just did. We just made an argument for both of them. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, you can look at both of them. And I think it's really just pick your poison. Even I was watching ESPN the other day with Stephen A. Smith. He's he literally said pick your poison between those two because they are both so dominant in what they do. Um, and I think it's I think that just hones in on the point. Um, do you guys have anything else you guys want to add? I don't really think so. I, I agree with you. It's kind of a pick your poison thing. I don't really I do think George Kittle is better, but I do think they're they're both of them are the best tight ends in football. And I don't even think like I would like probably give them a tie for first, even though I personally think Kittle's better. I don't think second or third place tight ends come, I don't think anywhere any other tight ends come close to Kittle or Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Um well, Kelsey's just been doing it for so long. Yeah. yeah, Zach Ertz has been hyped up for a while, but he the, uh, the Eagles have been garbage. That's no secret. Uh, yeah. The whole NFC East has been trash. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, they're kind of interchangeable on in what they can do and what the other can't do and mm-hmm. what they have going around them with receivers and running backs. And But, yeah, their stats are just incredible for tight ends. They're basically giant wide receivers. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. I think Kittle's better. I will continue to think Kittle's better just because <laughs> – his athleticism, so. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this, uh, mm-hmm. and this is a question to Tristan. Uh, Colton, you can jump in as well, but, okay. um, you know, you're on the uh, – you got Aaron Rodgers on the uh, opponent's 10-yard line. Mm-hmm. Um, games on the line, you have seven seconds left. You need to score a touchdown. What yard line do you, you say you were on? What's that? 10-yard well, line. 10-yard line, sorry. Thank you. 10-yard line. Got to get the ball to the end zone. Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball. Who do you want on the other end of that pass? Do you want Travis Kelsey or do you want George Kittle? I think that I think that most NFL coaches, in my opinion, uh, are going to lean with Travis Kelsey. I appreciate you using the best quarterback of all time in this example. Uh, not the greatest, but he's the best quarterback of all time. But mm-hmm. in, in a case like this um, – I honestly think I would pick Travis Kelsey. Um, the reason I say it is because I I probably trust him a bit more in situational football because he's been around longer, and I kind of view him as more of a Jason Witten type tight end. Like he's he's so smart and he's been around the game for so long. If they're playing his own, he I think Travis Kelsey could probably find a hole in his own better than George Kittle would be able to. But if I'm going just I don't know. If I want to play a full game, I would take George Kittle. But in that situation, I think I would rather have Travis Kelsey. That's mm-hmm. fair. And, and I will say, situationally, another thing that helps uh, Travis Kelsey is 
uh, again, the eye test, you just look at both of them. George Kittle's a big dude, don't get me wrong, but Travis Kelsey, um, just with his sheer size, is able to take up so much space, and, and so he's very good in the red zone, and that's not to take away from George Kittle. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Kittle is, is a very massive human being in his own right, but I, I think that one thing that helps Travis Kelsey is I think he's, he's a little bigger than George Kittle. Mm-hmm. I just want to make a point here. Um, I think I would. It's again. It's one of your, those pick your poison type deals. But let's also look back at the fact of what George Kittle just did to the Saints when the game was on the line. First of all, he cut a touchdown pass, stiff armed the heck out of uh, Saints defender and scored. Uh, and then he did it again uh, while carrying three defenders with, I still believe, a broken bone. Uh, so I think it's more a pick your poison in that in that certain sense of whether it's you know boxing out or trying to beat the defender on the inside or using your size. Obviously, it's Kelsey. Like I mean, I don't think you can debate that because I think Kelsey's got him in the size department. But I think I would I w- either one to be honest with you because if I'm uh, we're saying I'm the Packers team right now, correct? Yes, we can go with the Packers. We'll go with the Packers. I've got Devonte Adams. I've got Aaron Jones. I've got some weapons on the outside that I can really start to mess with some people. And then I have George Kittle leaking onto the flat, who is really fast. The dude can fly. So He's very fast. So I'm thinking I could maybe bait them, especially with that. Travis Kelsey, box him out. That's, you know, that's kind of the way you're going to go there. But I think it's really just pick your poison. Um, anywho, uh, let's kind of get – was that all you guys kind of wanted to kind of get into that? Or you guys got anything else? Uh, uh, I'll just add one, one last thing. Sorry, Tristan. I'll just add one uh, last thing here is that I don't – I'm not saying Travis Kelsey is flawless. I'm not saying I'm unbiased. I am a Chiefs fan. No. Um, one thing that I will say about George Kittle, he's more efficient. Uh, he mm-hmm. does tend to have better hands. Travis Kelsey does drop the ball. Uh, that's just uh, part of it. You know, when he does catch the ball, Lord have mercy for whoever's there. But he does tend to uh, tend to drop the ball a little more than George Kittle. So it's not to say Travis Kelsey's flawless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know that's kind of funny you say something like that because I was and I was looking at it. I, uh, I was actually going to use that as a stat from last year. As I looked at catching percentage and everything. I think uh, Travis Kelsey had seven drops last year, and uh, George Kittle had zero. This year, I think Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey doesn't have very many, and George Kittle has eight drops. So George Kittle has been kind of lacking in that this year just because I think his injuries have been kind of nagging him a little bit. But also, I mean, he hasn't gotten the ball near as much. So I think we can kind of both make the argument for there. Um, let, let, let's go kind of this. Uh, let's go into this next thing about Odell. Um Odell wants to be traded uh, due to current reports. And I'm looking at this uh, from a guy that literally just got traded from the Giants a year ago and is probably the most prolific and uh, most exciting, probably the best receiver in the game right now, maybe other than Antonio Brown if he will ever play again. If I'm looking at this, uh, I don't know what to make of it. I'm pretty confused. Um, Tristan, what did you kind of think about the rumors circling around Odell Beckham Jr. right now? Doesn't surprise me one bit. Uh, if I'm if I'm a player as high a profile as Odell Beckham and I'm stuck in Cleveland, Ohio, with a team that's not winning with the amount of talent they have, then I'd probably want to get out too and go somewhere else. And I'd want to go somewhere that would use my talent. But I think it's a bit too soon for him to be asking to be traded. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't I don't think he's the best receiver in the game. I have to disagree with you on that. Mm-hmm. I think I think Michael I Thomas is the best them. receiver in the league right now. You uh, said it was Julio Jones like a, two months ago. Now you're changing I it. Never, I have never said Julio Jones is the best receiver in the league. Okay. I don't. I don't for a second think Julio Jones is a top two receiver in the league. Okay. But I think Antonio Brown's the best receiver I've ever seen with my own eyes. Uh huh. But he's not in the league, so I can't say the best receiver in the league because yeah. he can't keep a job. But 
uh yeah, that doesn't it doesn't really surprise me. I think it's a bit too soon. Um one thing I did find pretty interesting, Skip Bayless, um, when they were on ESPN or whatever show he did, I don't know if it's I don't think it's first take it might be first take, but uh he said that he's heard privately that Odell Beckham wants to play for Green Bay. And I was like, Oh, that'd be interesting. I really like that. And then I go all the comments, all the comments are saying, No, no, we don't need a cancer in the locker room. I'm like, Odell's not I don't think Odell Beckham's a cancer in the locker room. Um yes. I think Antonio Brown's a cancer in the locker room, but I think Odell Beckham just plays with so much passion. He hasn't done anything wrong off the field. Um, he hasn't really done anything in the locker room that's been bad. He's kicked a kicking net. He's yelled on the sideline. That's about it. Besides yeah. that, you can't really hate on him for too much. But, uh, yeah, and then he posted – OBJ posted a picture on Instagram yesterday or this morning about uh, – I don't know. It was just him playing football with some caption – and then Devontae Adams commented on it, and he said, now let's change that helmet to green and yellow. Mm-hmm. And so we got Devontae Adams out here trying to recruit him. I respect um, Aaron, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers said a couple of years ago if they'd be open to acquiring Odell Beckham, and he said, we have all the room in the world for our offense for Odell Beckham. So, oh, let's make it happen. Yeah, I, of course you would want that to happen because then the Vikings would be utterly in hell. Uh, oh, yeah. Ryan, uh, Ryan, do you want to kind of comment on that big guy? Uh, well, so Tristan can back me on this. He and I have regularly talked, um, you know, about all things football uh, for years now. And he can back me on this, that when the Browns went out of their way to hire John Dorsey as the GM, who happens to be the former general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, they actually ran him out of town. Um, I thought it was a mistake. It was the standard Browns. And then they, again, go out of their way and hire uh, Freddie Kitchens, a guy who has never even been a coordinator, mm-hmm. never even been a coordinator in the NFL. He's been a quarterback's coach for the yeah. Browns. And so they hire him to take care of Baker Mayfield, a big ego. Uh, they bring in Kareem Hunt. We all know he's got his own issues. Another <laughs> big ego in Odell Beckham. Yep. Um, and then on top of that, the Browns didn't stop talking all offseason. They didn't stop talking, and the media didn't stop talking about the Cleveland Browns, about how good the Browns are going to be. Vegas had them as, like, a top-five Super Bowl favorite in terms of betting. Um, Vegas had them winning their division. Laughable. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. the thing is, Man's got a point. I don't necessarily blame Odell Beckham uh, for, for you know, his massive digression in, in Cleveland. But I, I can't say I didn't see it coming. And so I'll say that uh, I, I can see why he wants out. The Browns are utterly dysfunctional. They have a GM who doesn't know what he's doing. They have a head coach who is – he's fired already. They haven't announced it. But by the end of the year, Freddie Kitchens will not be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield has not had a good year. Baker Mayfield will be on his third head coach in two years after they – fourth head coach in two years, Hugh Jackson – Greg Williams, and now Freddie Kitchens. So after they fire Freddie Kitchens, he'll be on his fourth head coach in two uh, two years. Mm-hmm. If I was OBJ, I would want out. Get me out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of funny. You know, I was I was one of the suckers of the media that had the Browns winning uh, their division and going to this. I didn't say I, – I said they were Super Bowl contenders. I didn't actually – I don't think I actually said that they were actually going to the Super Bowl because I think there was some doubts. Obviously, the Ravens were a tough team. The Patriots just won the Super Bowl. 
Um, I said they were Super Bowl contenders. I could not have been more wrong uh, because of I think I got overhyped to just looking at their massive amount of stars they have on that team. And now you know you lose Miles Garrett to the situation that he had. Um, and I mean let's let's face it, uh, Baker Mayfield has had more success in his commercials than he has on the field. Um, so I mean I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking you know. Um, at first, my first reaction was, hey, man, give the guy a year and let him see how we can do it. Because I was with my same stance on what the Vikings had to do, uh, you know, when it came to a guy, even just like Kevin Stefanski for the Vikings. Last year, he had a couple good games. And then I was like, give the man a year. If he doesn't have a good year, find another coordinator. Not that bad. Um, so I, I can understand why everybody's frustrated. Um, but let's not forget, this is the Browns. I feel like they, I don't think they ever won a Super Bowl, maybe one. Uh, and I think that all good things, you know, I think coaches, especially in the offseason, I think they all do, uh, they all put a lot of time in. They look at, they evaluate, okay, a player is really good in this situation, but he's not so great in this. Well, who can we maybe get to maybe get in this situation that's a little bit better? I say give, uh, Freddie Kitchens had a year now. Um, this is too soon. Like, this is, this is one year. Uh, let's look at the Vikings last year. They're a prime example. They brought in, they thought what was the number one defense, and they brought in Kirk Cousins, who... Didn't get the job done. It wasn't all on him. His offensive line was horrible. Um, didn't have a run game. And even though he had two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, didn't get it done. So, and then you come back in another year and you have still have the same, pretty much the same offensive personnel, except one offensive lineman who uh, I wanted to mention on the show has been absolutely killing it. Okay, I won't sing anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I just think that with everything going on, I just think that uh, the Browns, let's pump the Browns, the, the Browns, uh, the hate on the Browns a little bit. I mean, yes, Freddie Kitchens and them haven't been getting it done. Maybe he's probably going to get fired at the end of this year. But I say, you know what, just let's calm down. Uh, and if at two years, I think that's a fair amount because anything can happen in a year. You can lose your starting running back, starting quarterback. You get Kareem Hunt have, you know, back for a full year next year too. Let's give this a little bit of time before we immediately jump on, you know, um, going in and all that. So um, that's my take on it. Did you guys have anything you guys wanted to add? I think if Cleveland, I do think Freddie Kitchens will get fired. Like Joy said, I think he's probably already fired. They just haven't announced it, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> funny. But uh, um, I think if there's a guy who can come into Cleveland and win games and make Baker Mayfield a more mature quarterback, it's Mike McCarthy. And wow. I genuinely believe that. If there's one coach that's not employed right now that could change it it's mike mccarthy um i watched a video they put out a couple days ago and he they actually call it the mike mccarthy project i don't know if any of you saw it saw it yet i not yet uh, i haven't no i just published right. it a day or two ago but this film crew went out to mike mccarthy's house or his ranch he's got this giant room and mike mccarthy actually put together a coaching staff mm -hmm. he has a whole coaching staff with him right now at his at his house and they all sit in this giant room and they watch film and they draw up game plans and they make play sheets like he's still coaching. And he's, yeah, they, they asked him what he wants to do and he said he wants to get back to head coaching. And mm -hmm. he was crying when he said it. So he misses it. Um, yeah. He wants to come back. I, I've said before, I think he would go to Carolina. But if I had to, if I had to put my money, because I'm kind of a fortune teller, but if I had to put my money on where my card if I had to put my money on where McCarthy's going to land, I think he's either going to land in Dallas or he's going to land in Cleveland or with the Jets. Mm -hmm. One of those three teams. I think there's a better chance in Dallas or Cleveland, but uh, I think he'll be back. But, yeah, kind of going back to the whole Odell thing, I I did say it was too soon, but at the same time, I don't think it's too soon. They don't need to waste his talent because he's probably in his prime right now. So if I was in a situation, like Joyce said, like uh, that dysfunctional, I would have wanted out last month probably. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens.
And just to throw some uh, fuel on the Mike Mike McCarthy speculation, uh, Tristan, you may remember this, before John Dorsey was the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs and currently the manager of the Browns, he was within the Packers organization. I don't remember if he was the general manager or the assistant general manager. I think assistant. I he, was the, he was the assistant, yeah. The assistant general manager. Ted Thompson he, was there for a while. Yes, yeah. and so he, uh, he worked with Mike McCarthy, and so uh, they do have a working relationship, and, and he knows Mike McCarthy is an excellent coach. Uh, so when they fire Freddie Kitchens because it's coming, uh, Mike McCarthy might be the guy for the job there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you guys got it. Uh, Tristan, you got anything else you want to add, big guy? No, but I do hope Mike McCarthy comes back, and I hope he gets back to winning football because I love him as a person. I think he's a great coach. I think his time just – his relationship with Aaron Rodgers got a bit old, kind of mm-hmm. like any long relationship does, um, yep. unless you're a perfectly loving couple, which they weren't. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope he comes back, and he's a great coach. And I think the the Jets really goofed by hiring Adam Gase instead of Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy interviewed for the job. Yes. And as soon as they hired Adam Gase, I was, I was mind blown. I couldn't believe they hired Adam Gase over Mike McCarthy because if you have a, a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, um, you just passed up on a, a head coach who's proven to develop one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, which is like, it's a no-brainer to me. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. Um, next thing here, uh, the Patriots were caught, per uh, you know reporting, they were caught. Uh, I believe video recording the sidelines of uh, the Cincinnati Bengals during their latest game. Or or no, it wasn't during their latest game. They went to a game and recorded it. Um, this isn't the first time something like this has, has happened, especially with, uh, you know, <laughs> Deflategate and Spygate. Uh, you know, this isn't the first time that the, the Patriots have been caught and still doing something like this. Um, I guess the question is that, you know, I saw this on ESPN. And I thought it would be something fun to bring to the show uh, on first take. Excuse me, I saw it. And... Um, the question is, are, are the Patriots cheaters? Like, can we actually consider them cheaters now? Because what, you know, in, in the famous words of Michael Scott from The Office of my all-time favorite show, uh, fool me twice, strike one. Fool me twice, strike three. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sorry, I had to do that one. I love, I love The Office, so I had to bring that one up. So, you know, just looking at this, is it fair to call the Patriots cheaters? Either one of you can take this. You go ahead, Ryan. Um, yes, I mean, just yes, but I I am hesitant a little bit to label them as in their own category because we actually don't know uh, how often this goes on with other teams. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe the Patriots in the past have not been the best at at hiding it, although I think Spygate was, uh, you know, a scandal all its own. I'm not sure there's ever been another NFL team that has been caught doing what the Patriots are doing and to that extent. Um, and, and then deflate gate, make of that what you want. Uh, but this, this is an interesting one to me because, so the Patriots uh, have said that they were filming for uh, a documentary called Do Your Job, which mm-hmm. by the way, perfect name for a Patriots documentary because they always have it together. They always do their job. Yep. Every player on that team does. But the, this idea that they were filming a documentary and just happened to uh, zoom in on Zach Taylor, the coach of the Bengals, for eight straight minutes is uh, doesn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL is going to come down on them. They're ob- they obviously were trying to pick up on signals and whatever else they could get out of it. But if they're doing this against the one-win Bengals, have no. they been doing this against other teams? Because, my God, I could think of a lot better teams that they could videotape on the sidelines than 
than the one-win Bengals. I mean, I just... Maybe the Ravens, who they got stomped by? I'm sorry, I said maybe the Ravens, who they got stomped by? You know, Lamar Jackson ran all over them? Oh, yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, there's no... They could could videotape all they want. There's no preparing for Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. Uh, But... So it just begs the question of how often they're doing this because I don't buy that if they're doing this to the one-win Bengals, they're not doing it to anyone else. And it, and it really brings up questions for me about what this documentary and this film crew is really about. What are they doing at a Bengals game in the first place? When the pa- the Patriots are playing the Chiefs that Sunday, it's a pretty big game. And their their film crew is in Cincinnati mm-hmm. to watch the one-win Bengals. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, big guy? Yeah, your question, are the Patriots cheaters? Hell yeah, they're cheaters. I think they've always been cheaters. Um, since, you know, Spygate, Deflategate, um, Kansas City, Luggagegate, you name it. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Something happened. That's never happened before, but against the Patriots, it happened. So, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. There's just so much. Like Joy said, you got to think of all the times they haven't been caught. Like, they've been caught. they've been caught so many times. It just makes you wonder, like, they probably do so much small things. Like, what was it, like two or three weeks ago? I don't know if they were playing the Titans or who they were playing, but two of the Patriots coaching staff members got in trouble for being on the other co- the other team's sideline. Oh, that's absurd. Like, they, were on the, they were on the other team's sideline. Like, I don't know what the hell they were doing, but they got caught and they got escorted back to their own sideline. So it just, it just, yeah, it just makes me wonder. It makes you wonder how much they've done and they, they've gotten away with because – I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think Tom Brady is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the history of football. The only time I've ever been impressed with Tom Brady was when he came back to win against Atlanta in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That's the only time. There's nothing he's done that's utterly impressed me like that game. The Patriots organization, I used to think, was just so well-run that it contributes to his success. But they're probably so well-run because of how much they cheat. Um, <laughs> and I, Yeah. So I don't think there's much else to be said about it. I think they're cheaters. I don't think it really matters because they're kind of screwed this year anyways. Um, I think Tom Brady's going to retire after this year. I don't think they're going to win another Super Bowl. Um, It doesn't matter who they play. If they play the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, if they play the Ravens in the AFC Championship, if they play the Bills in the AFC Championship, they're probably going to get pooped on because Tom Brady against a top 10 defense is not, uh, I don't know, who to compare him against, but he's not Tom Brady. Um, So... Yeah, they're definitely cheaters, in my opinion. Nate Peterman more than Tom Brady. Um, yep. Let's see here. Uh, Ryan, you had anything you want to add, or you think yeah, you think you pretty much covered it, big guy? No, I think uh, I think Tristan's spot on. Um, I will just say I don't attribute their success as a as a franchise to to cheating. I think that Robert Kraft um, mm-hmm. is one of the great owners in the NFL. I think that uh, Bill Belichick is one of the is the premier coach in the NFL, and so I think that a very well-run organization who happened to stumble upon Tom Brady in the sixth round out of Michigan. Uh, it's more to do with, with their success than, uh, than cheating, but I'm sure the cheating has certainly helped. Yeah. yeah Robert Kraft, he, he runs an organization like he runs his sex trafficking ring with the, we don't have to get into that. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. But I don't think anybody in the organization is clean in my uh, opinion, but uh <laughs> But yeah, we don't have to. We don't have to talk about Robert Kraft's situation. But I just don't think. I think the coaching is very good. Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels have done a hell of a job. But besides them, I don't think that organization is very, very clean and very good characters. I guess. So. Mm. Um. 
like I said, with Michael Scott's quote, uh, that is absolutely, again, one of the greatest shows ever. Uh, if you haven't seen The Office, you are missing out. Like I said, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame, you know, shame on you. Because the Patriots have gotten caught so many times that I'm looking at this and realizing, you know, if they maybe once accidentally recording, uh, you know, maybe their camera got bogged, booted off or, or whatever, maybe once, you know, maybe they accidentally left the footballs a little too inflated. Maybe. Yeah. But two or three times of caught uh, being caught while doing something uh, that is uh, seemed to give them an, an advantage of some kind. Um, now, I get that the Patriots are probably one of the more technically sound and uh, analytical teams out there, and they're trying to get any advantage that they can. I realize that. I respect that. Um, you know, I, baseball is a great example. I was, I was, I'm a sports writer. I'm in the winter, as I've told many people, and I'm able to. I was able to be around the Winter Cologne Pheasants, or excuse me, the um, the Winter Cologne Royals, who went to, to state this year. And their their coaches put spray charts together of you know of where the opposing team hits balls. So I'm like, okay, this is actually this is you know this is a little bit a little bit technical. You can kind of see where you want to put your outfield if you want to have them a little bit closer in, a little bit farther out. And they look at tendencies and everything. They look at analytically, and it's actually really it's an advantage. It really is. So I can understand a team wanting to uh, have the you know the biggest advantage that they can moving forward and put their players in the best place to be successful. Totally get that and support it. But three times or, or more, keep in mind, of you being caught doing something like this, there's something wrong. There's something up that, uh, you know, again, I'm not, it's not, them, them doing this isn't most likely, it's not the reason that they've been so successful, but it plays a role in it. And I think there is some underlying things here. And I think that they should, you know, the NFL should come down on them. They have to find out, you know, what's going on. Uh, with New England, because I don't think that this is just a coincidence. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm before we go into this, you know, Rashad Penny thing, uh, you know, he is unfortunately out with the rest of the season with an ACL tear. I'm going to give you guys a chance to say anything else. If you guys had anything to say anything else, if not, great, we'll move on. I don't have anything to say against about the Patriots besides mm -hmm. the cheaters. They always have been, and they probably always will be until Kraft and Belichick are gone. Mm -hmm. And Brady. Mm-hmm. Let me just pose a question, and you guys can both answer it. But um, if the Patriots were, in fact, doing what it looks like they may have been doing, mm -hmm. uh, what what's the punishment? What do you guys think the NFL does? Where does Roger Goodell go? Patriots from the NFL. Okay. So we're <laughs> going to just count that answer, Colton. I would rather listen to what you have to say. No, that's take, a tough question. Take away five of Tom Brady's six Super Bowl rings. <laughs> wow. Uh, Three tired of Aaron Rodgers. I'm yeah. just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of different things, different ways you could look at this. If they're actually caught cheating, I think there's a lot of different things that you could say or do. Um, but the question is, is this the actual first time that they've been cheating? And the, the, the question to me, anyways, is how long has this been going on? Is it, you know, all these others, were those others just coincidences? Um, or was this kind of just a one-time thing? If, you know, they do an investigation and they find that they finally get a confession out of somebody or, you know, whatever. If they find that this has been the Patriots Act all along, I feel at some degree, uh, I don't know if necessarily something like Super Bowls are necessarily be taken away. Maybe that's the ultimate thing here. Um, but I, I still think, well, you'd get rid of a lot of bandwagoners. I mean, you'd get rid of a lot of Patriots bandwagoners. Um, but I still think you're know, looking at this, you have to find out, you know, you have to find out all the details. You have to find out how long they've been doing it, how long, you know, they've been cheating and doing all this stuff. As it is, uh, if they have been doing it, if they actually have been cheating and that's the reason why they've been beating these teams, it's the death penalty. The ultimate death penalty, I think you you have to set a standard for other teams that this isn't okay. This isn't what football is about. 
And I think that at, at a certain point, uh, not necessarily, I think it make an example of them to an extent, but also you need to let teams know that there's a difference between having a, an analytical advantage and uh, taping a team's practice, you know? So I think you've got to be able to find a happy medium there. And it's a tough question. Roger all gets paid all that money because he's able to, you know, look into that and, and, and do the best that he can. So I think, you know, a, a small town kid in winter South Dakota, I don't know if uh, I'm necessarily qualified to answer that question, but I think if they have been shooting for a long time, they, they do at some degree deserve, a, a, a you know, maybe a, a Super Bowl taken away at some point. So um, what about you? What about you? Um. I don't really think there's any way a Super Bowl will ever get taken away from a team. I kind of just joked about that. But yeah. I do think uh, – but if anybody, I hope it's Tom Brady. But um, if if I had to think of something that the NFL would actually do to punish, um, they could maybe do something to force Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick to resign, which I don't even think they could probably do that. Yeah. But – one thing I've seen done before in the off season, where there's off season scandals, they take away, they take away team time during the off season. They can get rid of, like I, th- I can't remember what team it was. Hell, it was probably the Patriots. But they, pro- I think they got like two of their training camp weeks taken away from them because they got in trouble for something. So I think if they, they took away a lot of off season time and kind of made them. I don't know, just not as ready as most NFL teams when the season starts. I feel like that would be a decent punishment, but it obviously it's not severe enough when you're talking about cheating your way to six Super Bowls. But um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know what could happen besides getting rid of some of the coaching staff or taking away some of the off-season time. Mm-hmm. And maybe I misspoke when I said Super Bowls would be taken away. I mean, I'm a diehard Vikings fan. I just want one, and I'm probably not going to get it. Uh, before my grandfather passed away, he said he wanted the Vikings to win one, and it never happened. So I'm hoping at some point I can just see one. Um, but so the fact that the, the Patriots have a little bit of have six probably made me force that answer. But I'm saying like there has to be there has to be an example set. Now I don't know if it's taking away Super Bowls. I don't think it is. I apologize for that. I probably shouldn't have said that. But uh, the, at what some think, point. Brian? What's that? Did you have anything about that? Uh, what they could do to him? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't. I don't really know what they could do. Uh, at most, to me, they're gonna. If it happens, the buck has to stop with Bill Belichick. He can go on his radio show and talk about how he had no idea what was going on, because I'm sure the. Uh, I'm sure their documentary crew or their camera crew loves to spend their time videotaping the Bengals sidelines for eight straight minutes, not to give it to Bill Belichick. That seems so plausible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes no sense. He knew what was going on, but uh, probably it stops Bill Belichick and, and a suspension. I'm sure. I don't. I can speculate on the length because I feel like this might be a little bit uh, unprecedented as to uh, how you handle a situation like this. Uh, but I would expect a probably probably a suspension for Bill Belichick. I agree. I think a suspension is probably the way to go here because when the Vikings, you know, the whole um, they were targeting, when the Saints were targeting Brett Favre back in the 09 NFC Championship game, I think Sean Payne was suspended for an entire year. So, I mean, at some point, I don't know, again, length of time, I don't know. Maybe he's suspended indefinitely. I don't know, but I still think that, and they keep the Super Bowls or whatever. I don't know, but I, again, you know, if Sean Payne can get suspended a year for putting, a, you know, a bounty on Brett Favre's head. I think that, you know, this is more serious than that. And so I don't know what necessarily has to happen there. Um, but let's go into this. Uh, Rashad Penny out for the season, unfortunately, towards ACL. Um, clearly one of the uh, one of the big weapons for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And now he has unfortunately suffered an injury. Um, 
and uh, against the Rams and their loss, I believe it was Sunday night or Monday or something like that. Um, and it was you know just a big loss for their team. Or, no, I think it was just Sunday. I'm not sure whether, when the, whenever the game was. Uh, it is uh, absolutely a big loss for them because in terms of it, you know, what you want to talk about a two-handed, you know, rushing attack. Uh, I think that just looking at this, this is a big loss, and I don't think people are going to be able to realize this uh, because you know they just whooped the Vikings on Monday night. Well, not whooped, they they won, but I mean it wasn't a butt whoop, and I'll give my team a little bit of credit. But you know the, the Seahawks were looking like a team that was that was going to be hard to beat. They're number three in the NFL in rushing right now with almost 141 yards. Uh, so to lose. Rashad Penny the, like this. He's no Chris Carson, but he's a guy that catches the ball well out of the backfield, gives him a little bit of a threat in running the football. I mean, he ran for you know 74 yards and a touchdown and caught a touchdown against the Vikings. And I think that catch against the Rams was his only action of any kind. And then unfortunately uh, suffered the injury. So look at this. This is a big loss for the Seahawks. Uh, not not to say that they don't have a, a plethora of weapons, but this is uh, I think this is something that could aff- potentially affect the Seahawks moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, big loss. It's kind of like if Green Bay were to lose Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams, they kind of have that two running back by committee approach to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have one that can run the ball really well. They got one that can catch the ball really well. And when you take one of those away, um, it just takes a whole element of your offense away because you can use you can use Rashad Penny. You can start him in the backfield, then split him out wide, and you can use him as a wide receiver. So losing that element, it's going to make, I think, that offense a lot more readable by defenses. Um, but Chris Carson, he's a he's a good running back. I think the Seahawks will be okay just because of how good Russell Wilson is. Um, I think he's one of the more – well, he's getting the credit he deserves this year. But over the past years, I think he's been one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league. Um, mm-hmm. He's probably been one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion, from what he's been doing. But – yeah, it's a, it's a big loss, and no doubt, but uh, I still think the Seahawks will be fine. I still think they'll probably get second or third seed in the NFC, and um, they'll probably host a home playoff game maybe. So I think they'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, Ryan? Um, yeah, it's a big loss for the Seahawks. Really, the transition we've seen the Seahawks make um, over the last number of years has been they've really shifted to a power-running team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been able to rely less and less on their defense uh, as they have lost the so-called Legion of Boom piece by piece over the last few years. And we really saw the Seahawks come back and reinvent themselves last year. They didn't make the playoffs, you know, in uh, 2017. And then in 2018, they really came back and reinvented themselves, uh, came out with this power running attack with this two-headed monster that really worked well. And so... Um, they've continued to do that this year with a ton of success, and it's it's, it's a big loss for sure. Um, but of course, the other thing that pains me about this is that Rashad Penny is seemingly just starting to really come into his own. Mm-hmm. Um, over the last five years or so, we've seen first-round running backs really come out and pop right away, whether it's been Leonard Fournette, uh, Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, these, these top 10 picks that have really come into the NFL and taken over right away. Um, Rashad Penny was kind of the exception to that. And he was a monster at San Diego State. And I think that most NFL scouts would tell you he's going to pop at some point. And it's really too bad that they lost him now because over these last few weeks, he had been excellent. Yep. You know, I'm looking at this right now with the Seahawks. They even did it against the Vikings. They went for 200 yards against a good Vikings defense, a rushing defense. Uh, They had, I think, looking at this. Uh, they had six offensive linemen in for a majority of their snaps. Six offensive linemen, yeah. like that's that's usually something I never hear of. So, looking at this, I don't know exactly. It's got to be hard for some teams to be able to uh, 
Look, uh, I'm pretty sure you guys are messaging right now, but that's okay. Uh, that's uh, that's okay. Looking at this, though, six offensive linemen, definitely a thing of uh, beauty for the Seahawks because they can use it to their advantage. Um, let's see here. Do you guys have anything else you want to add about the Seahawks or we kind of just we kind of dried out there? Yeah, not really. I agree with Joyce. Rashad Penny was really coming into his – I didn't even know he tore his ACL until you said it, mm-hmm. honestly. I uh, I don't know if I just missed this on the news, but I knew he got hurt, but I didn't know it was a torn ACL. Yeah, but it looks like he's up for yeah, the that, that sucked really bad. But yeah, he was he was starting to pick it up and he was starting to do really well. But I think I think they they use their offensive linemen well enough, and Chris Carson's good enough. I think they'll be fine running the football, but they'll have to find another way or another running back to come up and play more of a a receiving role with uh, Penny's absence. So yeah, we'll just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Joyce, I guess if there's one thing we know uh, for sure, it's that Russell Wilson can carry a team, and yeah. he's he's basically been doing it since he got there. You know, they can talk about the defense and the Legion of Boom when they won the Super Bowl and all of that, and and their defense was fantastic. Um, but over these last like five or six years, Russell Wilson's best receiver, no longer with the team, of course, Doug Baldwin, undrafted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, their best running back prior to uh, Chris Carson. Uh, after losing Marshawn Lynch, was a, a group of guys that we had never even heard of yeah. uh, for the last, like, you know, seven years. They needed to draft offensive linemen and just willingly chose not to. Mm-hmm. And so we know that we know that uh, Russell Wilson can draft a quarterback or can draft a quarterback. Russell Wilson can carry a team, and uh, I think he's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. I want to talk about Anthony Davis maybe taking away MVP uh, votes from LeBron James, but I'm rearing to go about this Kobe and uh, Harden debate, so we're just going to skip that and go straight into that because we're almost in an hour. Um, so let's go straight into this. The question I saw on ESPN, and it pained me to see this because I'm a diehard Lakers fan and a diehard Kobe fan, and the question was, who is the better score between Kobe Bryant and James Harden? And it's a, it's a big question. It's a, one of the greatest players who has five championships uh, you know, he's definitely a Mount Rushmore in terms of Lakers players. Uh, but then also, you got James Harden, who has been absolutely killing it these last couple of years. And I just I want to hear what you guys think, because I think that uh, looking at this, you have to have multiple people to look at it, number one. And then number two, you got to be able to uh, – we were all, I believe, alive when uh, – when, well, obviously, we were all alive when you know, Kobe was going off and doing his whole thing. So, and I was uh, able to watch. We all we were all able to watch him and see what he could do. So, I just want to kind of get your guys to take so one at a time. Uh, let, let's start with Tristan because I know I've been leaving you out. Um, what, uh, what what what's your whole take? Who do you think is the better scorer, Kobe or Harden? I think Kobe Bryant's a better scorer. Um, despite what James Harden's been doing, if you take away his free throws, he's probably only got twenty points a game. Yeah. Um, this free throw numbers are absurd. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know how he draws so many fouls, but I, I do think Kobe Bryant's a better scorer. I think he can shoot better for most places on the floor. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to discredit how good of a shooter James Harden is because he's phenomenal. But I think it goes back to situational play, like we were talking about earlier. If there's ten seconds left or five seconds left, and we're down by one or two, and we need a three pointer or a two pointer, I think, I think probably nine out of ten times, I'd probably take. I'd probably take Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Joyce, what about you, big fella? So I'm going to disagree and in part agree with Tristan. So Kobe Bryant, situationally, you have to have the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter. Um, I'm not sure in you know the modern NBA era 
we've seen a player quite like Kobe Bryant situationally. I mean, he's, you know, um, throughout his career, game to game, he just, uh, there was no slowing him down situationally. He was the guy that you wanted the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter. But um, if we're going to talk about just as a pure scorer, James Harden is putting up numbers that I don't think the NBA has ever seen. His efficiency rating is through the roof. Uh, I think over the last, what is it, five or six games, um, he's been incredible. He has about five or six 50-point games this year already. We're not even at the uh, midseason mark. Um, But he also plays in an offense um, that is point guard friendly. We know Mike D'Antoni everywhere he's gone has elevated every point guard he's ever had. And so I think James Harden is, is receiving the benefit of that offense. But uh, situationally, Kobe's better. As a scorer, James Harden is better. Um, you got anything you want to add, Tristan? No, I, uh, I guess I can't disagree with you. I do think, obviously, both of them are the two greatest scorers two of the greatest scorers we've ever seen. But I think if if James Harden had been doing this for two or three years longer than he has been, then I would probably say James Harden. But if he's just going to do this for two years and then next year he starts to fall off, then I think we'd both go back to saying Kobe Bryant's a better scorer. But, yeah, what he's doing right now, his efficiency is insane. His finishing under the hoop is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Yeah, if he continues to do this, I would easily say James Harden's a better scorer. But if I had to look at just putting like their careers into perspective, I'd say Kobe's a better scorer. But if I didn't have to put their careers into perspective and I just had to look at like what, what James Harden is doing now compared to what Kobe Bryant did over his whole career and kind of just like put those time frames into perspective, I would probably say that James Harden's a better scorer because, I mean, how could you disagree with the numbers Ryan brought up or you brought up? Um, yeah. all of his 50 and 60 point games. And I think, I don't know if it was the first 20 games of this, this season or if it was the first 20 or 15, 10 or 15 games, but he had like over 30 points every game, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. I don't think Kobe's He's, ever done that, but he has. Uh, uh, but the, the free uh, throws, I always, there's always something to taint greatness. Um, <laughs> and I think, uh, I think the free throws are kind of the only thing that's holding me back from saying James Harden because. He drops 50 points, 60 points a game, but half of his point, literally half of his points are free throws. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you missed, it, it's, I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm going to say Kobe for now until uh, James Harden continues to do this for a number of more years, and then I will, I will say James Harden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take this. And I'm just writing down here stuff because I'm a nerd. Um, I got to start by saying that Kobe is my favorite player of all time. Uh, I remember watching him when I was in seventh grade. I think I watched him. No, I watched him in eighth grade dunk over somebody in uh, uh, the year that they beat the Magic uh, in the NBA Finals. I watched him dunk over somebody, and you just th- – that man has a mom that is watching that man on TV. You don't do that to another human being on national television. So me watching that, I remember thinking, this guy is hes by far my favorite player. Um, James Harden is a better scorer than, than Kobe Bryant. And I'm going to bring up some stuff, and I think it's all because mostly because of his offense and the system he's in. If he stays in Mike D'Antoni's offense, he is a better scorer than Kobe. But uh, just just 
the way that they're both built. Kobe was, I'm going to dunk on you. Kobe was, I had a, he had a fadeaway that was, uh, I think only uh, the only other player that had a fadeaway like that was maybe Michael Jordan. Was well, definitely Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, his fadeaway was absolutely uh, unprecedented. And then Kobe copied it or mimicked it, excuse me. Um, his fadeaway was unguardable. Uh, you know, he could, he had that uh, it trait, which again, I'll get into a second here. Um, but let's look at some simple stats here. You know, whether we like it or not in terms of free throws, how many ever he takes. In 11 years in the NBA, James Harden has taken almost 6,800 free throws. He'll probably take 7,000 free throws by the end of this year. Cooper Bryant took 10,011. So he's got nine years to be able to get, what, 2,000 more free throws? He's going to do that, especially if he stays in, uh, with the Rockets. Uh, Kobe Bryant had a knack for getting to the free throw line. But James Harden does it at a whole other level. And they're both pretty equal in terms of free throw per, uh, shooting percentage. And looking at this, let's even talk about something else that Kobe and, and, LeBron and uh, Harden both had. They both could shoot the three. But Kobe never shot over, I think it was over 553s in a season. James Harden has attempted a thousand, th I think he attempted a thousand threes last year. A thousand threes. But that's a good uh, three point field goal percentage, even though I would like to put a little bit of a disclaimer here. I still think that with how this whole thing uh, pans out, uh, Kobe, the one he has gotten towards the end of his career, his numbers really sank because he was taking an enormous amount of shots because he wanted to beat Michael Jordan, which was understandable. So I think that should be kind of factored in here because um, he, he wanted to beat them, his idol. He wanted to beat the guy that he looked up for to all those years. Kobe is a 33% career three-point shooter. James Harden is a 36 career three-point shooter. So looking at that, you'll see, okay, yeah, James Harden was better. Um, Kobe's best season back in 05 and 06, he averaged 35 points per game, uh, 35.4. He had guys like Lamar Odom, Smush Parker. Uh, Lamar Odom averaged about 15, Smush Parker about 12. James Harden is the reason that the Rockets are what they are. And this isn't even me. He, he's doing it this year with guys like Russell Westbrook, who are still, despite being awful from the three-point line right now, uh, He's averaging 22 points a game in rest with Westbrook is. And then James Harden is averaging, what, 36, 38, 7, whatever it is. Uh, and you look at James Harden's best season. Uh, it's this year, 37.8 points per game. Harden gets to the free throw line an amazing amount of time. But the fact that he's done it with all these, these teammates and still averaged the amount of points. Clint Capella last year averaged 16.6. Uh, Chris Paul averaged 15.6. Eric Gordon averaged 16.2. Kobe Bryant didn't have to... Uh, average 30 points a game and have all that help. Like he had, they played solid defense. He had, you know, Paul Gasol who probably put up, what, 16, 18 a game. And then Ron Artest, I'm sorry, I mean Meta World Peace, who, let's face it, was not the, on the same level of Kobe or uh, Paul Gasol in the scoring department. Um, in terms of scoring, I think it's, uh, uh, with, with the game on the line, I put Kobe just because I felt like, uh, and this is, you know, me going into the it factor. Game on the line. Kobe had that look in his eye that you don't mess with me. Like, you don't. You don't put a gun in my face because I'm, I'm going to bury the shot in your face type deal. James Harden, uh, and I pointed this, I'd actually talked about this with um, with Mr. Joyce here right before the show. There was a shot at a point last year that uh, James Harden, I think he was playing the Bucks, had a shot to beat the Bucks and go into the game, it was game six or seven. I'm not exactly sure. James Harden had a chance to uh, advance, uh, or at least win that game. And he was more worried about going for the free throw. Uh, he, he pumped up, and then he went up and was more worried about the free throw instead of nailing the shot. I'm looking at that. Kobe wouldn't have cared about the, sh about the free throw line. He was going to make that shot, or at least die trying. 
And when you get a guy that's more worried about wanting to win rather than a guy that's more worried about a guy that's getting fouled, and granted, he is getting fouled. If it is ridiculous or not, that's for somebody else to decide. But the, these are the facts. He averages more free throws and everything. But when it came down to it, Kobe Bryant was a champion. Kobe Bryant was a warrior on the court. Uh, James Harden, uh, maybe the, the NBA is a little bit more softer, but it still remains. Uh, James Harden is the better scorer here. In any way you put he's more efficient and everything. So uh, no matter which way you spin it, even though Kobe had an effect or was a champion, uh, a warrior, great player, James Harden is the better scorer. So I said my piece, even though I just pretty much hated him, my favorite player of all time. Uh, I think somebody had to do it. Um, you guys got anything else you guys want to add? Nah. I, I agree with you um, pretty much 100%. Besides, uh, I, I'm still going to pick Kobe mm-hmm. just because I want I want Kobe when it's situational. But you're right. James Harden's probably a better scorer all around. But, yeah, you're right. But I just got to say here, he's not the better player. Not even close. Uh, yes. Kobe, nine, nine all-team def- uh, you know, defense. Harden doesn't really – he's improved on defense, but he doesn't play defense like Kobe did. When, when Kobe wanted to play defense, the man played defense. Uh, in terms of all-around player athleticism, shooting, defense, all of it, it was definitely Kobe. And he's got five rings to show for it. Um, and James Harden uh, clearly is not the same player in that regard, but he is a better scorer in my opinion. Uh, Mr. Joyce, you got anything else to add before we uh, tag this puppy out? Um, I'll just mention, you, you said that James Harden has improved on defense. Uh, my God, all he had to do is start shuffling his feet a little bit, like fundamental shuffling your feet like you're in a sixth grade basketball camp to improve on defense. So uh, I guess in that respect, you're probably correct. He has improved yeah. on defense. <laughs> you know what? You're exactly right. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten, uh, I've gotten some hate from people saying, oh, well, he has improved. I'll give credit where it's due. Uh, at least he's trying because a couple of years ago, I think there were times when the dude just like let the guy roll by him. He's like, whatever, I'm going to go score on offense. He did, literally didn't even try. So if a player like that is uh, at least trying, I'm going to give him the props. I would much rather have a guy who's actually going to go out there and try rather than a guy who says, okay, fine, you scored. I'm going to go score. You know what I'm saying? But how do we get to a point where we're looking at superstars, a guy who uh... – you know, is considered an NBA superstar. And we're like, hey, he's at least trying on defense. Well, <laughs> yeah, God, I'd hope so. You know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but again, I think it's just the fact that, uh, you know, he has he's come up with more defensive stops. He's come up with a, with a better defensive rating over the last couple of years. Now, again, he is not in any way, if I have to have uh, – if I have to have you know him go on my best player, I'm probably going to have to sell my house and probably going to lose my job as a head coach if that's the case. But going into this, you know, I would again as a coach, uh, I think Mike D'Antoni's done a good job of this too. I think with Harden, he wanted to just go and score. He didn't want to play any defense. He's like, man, I'm going to go and score 50 a game. I don't need to worry about. It. No, no, no. If you want to be a champion, you got to be able to play defense. And you know what? Even though he may not be a defensive player, at least I have a guy that's actually going to go try make a block or go try to play some defense. So, again, I, 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 he's not a good defensive player by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, you know what? At least he's improved his, his attitude about it, and he's going to go out there and at least try. At least There are some people, there are some players I've watched that don't even try anymore. Uh, but, you know, you know, yeah, it's more like pick your poison, potato, tomato. Alyssa, uh, I know if you're listening, you hate that. But anyway, um, let's see here. You guys got anything uh, to say else before we uh, hit the road? No, sir. Okay. Don't. Uh, well, Mr. Joyce? Mr. Joyce, yeah, we're good to go? Yeah, I think we're good. I'll just say that Tristan is uh, looking good today, but he's wrong about uh, he's wrong about Aaron Rodgers being <laughs> uh, the best of all time. Okay. Yeah, you're looking pretty cute today, uh, too. But, uh, I got uh, 
I got to disagree with you disagreeing with me. Um, I don't <laughs> think we've ever seen. There, I, I don't think we've ever seen a quarterback with the the raw talent that Aaron Rodgers possesses. I will say Patrick Mahomes has an absurd level of raw talent, but mm-hmm. when he does it for 15 years, I will say he's the best quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's able to throw the best ball on the run out of any quarterback to ever do it, when he's able to be the most efficient quarterback to ever do it, when he's able to throw the prettiest ball out of any quarterback to ever do it, when he's able to, uh, you name it, I'll, uh, what can't, I mean, just tell me what Aaron Rodgers can't do and don't say Super Bowls because that's what everybody says. <laughs> but his team can't get him to a damn Super Bowl like Tom Brady's team can get him to a Super Bowl. So, mm-hmm. What do you think? What can't Aaron Rodgers do? No, I'm not going to disagree with anything you said. I, uh, gosh, I think I started a new segment here by, uh, you know, just you, say, just you know what? Let's do it. Taking you take it. the best. You take the best traits from every quarterback in the history of the National Football League. You take, I don't know, Joe Mon. I think he has a better arm than Montana ever did. I thought Joe Montana had probably the best arm ever. You take his arm. You take Tom Brady's brain. Ooh, Not song. Lamar Jackson's legs by any stretch, but an average <laughs> an, a, an average set of legs that can move. Um, I don't know any arm angle he can throw from any arm angle, and yes, it's absurd what Patrick Mahomes can do. But Aaron Rodgers has been doing it for about 15 years, and mm. nobody cares. It's kind of I don't like it. It's kind of it's been pissing me off every time Mahomes makes a sidearm throw or a no look pass or across his body throw. Everybody's just like, oh my god, this guy's amazing. He's Jesus, but. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, he's been doing it forever. And well, uh, I'm going to combat that, Tristan, a little bit here. Um, if a Vikings fan like myself, and again, diehard Vikings fan can come out and say that Aaron Rodgers is, uh, I think, the most talented quarterback that we've seen uh, in the NFL. Again, Mahomes might be chasing him. I don't know. It's still, still too early because anybody can play, throw 50 touchdowns in a year and then come back and, uh, you know, and, and, and regress. Look at Christian Ponder, who looked like a very promising quarterback for the Vikings early, but then we make jokes about him now uh, because of how much he regressed. So looking at this, I do think that obviously Aaron Rodgers is, uh, he's in my mind, talent-wise, um, he's the greatest. In terms of, yeah, talent, he's the greatest quarterback to ever do it. Um, I'm excited to see what Patrick Mahomes does, but I'm not, I, I, I'm just saying that, you know, from looking at this, from how, you know, short of a time that Mahomes has been in the NFL, I, it's extremely exciting. Like you're, you're looking at this, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're probably pretty happy with, with what's going on right now because, you know, Alex Smith couldn't quite get you over that hump for a long time. And you had some other quarterbacks, you know, Trent Green, if you really want to go back. But I, I really think the Chiefs have been waiting for a guy like this for a long time and to have, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill and Luce Cream Hunt was a, kind of a, uh, a downer. But also, you know, you got Travis Kelsey, you got all those guys. And to finally have a guy that puts it all together, uh, you know what, I think it's it's going to be fun for a guy, you know. And the reason that people, you know, put so much emphasis on, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is because I don't think people expected to see another guy other than Aaron Rodgers doing that. So the fact that we've got to, we get to watch a guy potentially do this for the next ten years—that's exciting. Like, because again, Aaron Rodgers was the most talented quarterback, is the most talented quarterback right now. I don't know. I think he's—it's—it's it's kind of rough. He's been in the NFL forever. Give the man a break. So I—I th- I still think that the fact that we're going to get to see a like, guy like this for a while is going to be the real deal. So um, go ahead, Mr. Joyce. I'll let you uh, take us out here. Well, I don't have too much to add to that. I will say uh, I think that part of what Tristan is venting his frustration with in terms of everyone reacting to uh, Patrick Mahomes is that we've normalized the greatness of Aaron Rodgers. We've normalized the throws on the run. We've normalized um, the plays that he's able to make uh, in situations where a lot of quarterbacks had fold under pressure. Aaron Rodgers has stepped up. So Mm -hmm. in in that sense, I think we've normalized Aaron Rodgers is, is 
greatness and his incredible talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to get a fresh face to that was uh, a lot of shock and awe for people when Patrick Mahomes came into the league. But I won't disagree with too much of what you said. Aaron Rodgers is, is incredible. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to say he's the best quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a case to be made, even for Tristan hates to hear it, Tom Brady. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I really did. But, I was waiting for it. But I, I won't. I won't take away too much from what Tristan said. I think he's pretty accurate that that Aaron Rodgers uh, makes throws that really nobody else can make. There's no questioning his arm talent is elite. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? It's been uh, it's been real. Uh, holy cow, that went by really fast. That's uh, you know about an hour and twenty minutes. So uh, once again, I got a first start. By saying, uh, you know, Tristan, it's always good having you on. Uh, you know, my co-host. I love having him on. Love talking sports, even though it does give me a lot of crap. But I guess that's just uh, how the business goes. Yeah, we'll have to get uh, Joyce back on. Or uh, we need to get Cornoyer on. And we need yeah. to have a little uh, discussion about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And yep. all quarterbacks. Because yep. uh, I'm ready to put it to bed. The numbers are there. <laughs> so yep. I'm ready. Yep. He's ready Mr. to bury some Go ahead. What's that? All right, so Tristan's ready to bury some people. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready to bury the hatchet. I'm, a, but I'm gonna dig up all the facts, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's been waiting a long time. Um, <laughs> let's see here, Mr. Joyce. Uh, you know what? Absolutely great, great having you on. Uh, uh, I think you know, really appreciate you having you. I know a lot of people probably could have done a lot of different things tonight. Probably go uh, play some Madden or play the movie with the girlfriend. But really, again, really appreciate you coming on. It means a lot. Uh, thank you for joining us, man. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Yeah. Um, once again, uh, maybe, uh, remember, jeez, can't talk cold and sober up. Uh, just kidding. Uh, anyway, just remember to subscribe, follow us on all social media and everything. Give Mr. Ryan Joyce, uh, you know, follow on social media and everything. Again, what, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, and uh, everybody else, have a great night.